Welcome to Victory Church Winchester, Virginia's weekly podcast. Our desire is that you will find Victory a place to call home. Please take a moment to subscribe and share. Here is this week's message from our Sunday morning worship experience. Remind you that we're in a collection of teachings that the Lord has given me. Really a prophetic um, time of year at the beginning of the year where I just, uh, the last few months, have really sought the Lord as to what he would have for us as a church, as individuals, and as a church um, moving forward throughout this year. And the Lord gave me this word freedom. And the Lord said to me, I believe, this is going to be the year, 2024, of undeniable freedom. Now, freedom is the right or the power uh, to think, speak, and act without hindrance or restraint. How many of you need that in your life? Freedom today, right? And its freedom is going to be undeniable. In other words, it's going to be observably true. It's going to be something that is visible. It's going to be something that is noticeable. And I believe that 2024 is going to, the be, going to be the year of undeniable freedom. We've come a long way. We've talked about confession being the starting point of freedom. And then we talked about uh, examination in terms of the scriptures and the search for freedom as finding God's truth. Jesus said, um, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, right? Then we talked about declaration being the statement of freedom. There are things that declarations do when we declare the word of God over our life and over our situations and over our problems. It has the power to accomplish that which God set it out to accomplish, right? And so when our words come into alignment with the word of God, it has great power to accomplish uh, what God declares that it can. And then uh, last week we talked about, the last two weeks we talked about celebration Uh, being the sound of freedom. There is a sound of freedom, the sound that the captives release as they have come into this new freedom that they found through faith in Jesus Christ. And there's a freedom that's coming forth from this place through our praise. Uh, This week, I wanted to talk to you about the struggle of freedom and about confrontation being that struggle of freedom. And being is that you know, Poxitani Phil did not see his shadow last week, right? That means we have uh, spring coming soon, right? Okay. And, um, but I do want to let you know that, you know, last week I woke up and I did see my shadow. So that means that we're going to have six more weeks of this sermon series. All right. So just so you know, in case you were wondering, I'm just going to extend it for you. Just let you know what's coming. If you would turn in your Bible to the book of Ephesians in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Ephesians to the church of Ephesus, chapter 6, and we're going to begin reading at verse 10. Chapter 6, and we're going to begin reading at verse 10. And I want to remind you that you can follow along in our Victory Church, uh, in our notes on the Victory Church app. Pretty familiar passage of scripture, but I want you to read it uh, with no preconceive ideas and thoughts. Just open up your heart to what the Lord would have to say to you today. Verse 10, the apostle Paul says, finally, he's closing out this letter to the book, uh, to the church of Ephesus. He's saying, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, the full armor of God. God's armor and put it all on, he's saying, so that you can take your stand, your stand, 
put it on, take your stand against the devil's schemes. Against whose schemes? The devil's schemes. For our struggle, somebody say struggle. Our struggle. That word struggle can be interpreted in the Greek as hand-to-hand combat. That struggle, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And having done everything to stand, stand. So I want to pray with you. The title of my sermon today and the subject in which we're going to talk about today is the struggle for freedom. Struggle for freedom. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes as we get going? Father, thank you. Thank you today, uh, Lord, that we could gather together here. Lord, we haven't come here, Lord, just to attend a service, to sing some songs, or to hear a sermon, but we've come into this moment, into this place today to hear from you. Lord, we long to experience your presence and your power. Lord, do what I cannot do, Lord, in this moment today. Speak to hearts and speak to lives. Change us, Lord. Help us not be the same as we came in today. But, Lord... We allow you to speak mightily to us and, 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 and about the things in our life, Lord, and about the changes we need to make and about who you've called us to be through your word. We bless you for it today. We believe it. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, I want to talk to you about how to fight. And some of y'all are really good at fighting. You know, some of y'all like to fight with your boss. Maybe you fight with your coworkers. Come on. Maybe you fight with your neighbors. Maybe you fought here on the way to church in the car ride this morning on the way to church, right? Others of us are very, some of us are confrontational. Others of us are very non-confrontational. We are just uh, peacekeepers, in other words. We want to keep the peace. And so we go along to get along. We just kind of just go through the motions and we don't uh, make peace. We're not peacemakers, we're peacekeepers, and we don't want to fight. Now, whichever category you naturally fall into, the reality is that confrontation is not optional. Confrontation is continual. Confrontation is inevitable. Today, I want to talk to you about the fight of faith. The supernatural fight that takes place in the unseen world. This is what the Apostle Paul is talking to us about here in this text. And if you must fight like I must fight and you do not have the option, you, you, you will be fighting. I want to win. How many of y'all would just rather win if you're going to fight? The Apostle Paul teaches us not just about the fight, but he talks to us about how to win the fight, the supernatural battle that's taking place in the unseen world. Paul writes to the Ephesian believers about a, the life as a follower of Jesus in the beginning of this letter to the, to the Ephesians. He talks to them about what has happened and what has transpired in their life as a result of them coming to Christ and knowing Christ. 
Their position now that they put their faith in Jesus is that they are in Christ, right? You could do a study, a, a theological study on this, and you can find that when we are in Christ, Christ is in us. And everything that Christ had is also ours now as a result of us being identified in Jesus Christ through faith, right? So he's telling them now, um, I want your, he's, he's praying for them at the beginning of this letter, and he's saying, I'm praying that the eyes of your understanding would be opened and that you would see the light in everything that God has provided for you in Christ. And then he tells them, he goes on to tell them, as a result of this relationship that you have being in Christ, he says, now you are seated with God, with Jesus in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and dominion and authority. He's saying you have power. You have a position of authority as a result of your identity being identified with Jesus Christ. And he says because you have all of these things, now it practically is applied to your life. In Ephesians chapter 4, he talks about how this relationship with Christ also flows into our relationships, our relationships at work, our relationships in our family. He talks about husbands and wives. Um, he talks about our relationship within the church, our relationship to one another in our communities. And then it's almost as if he pivots at the end of this book in Ephesians and he begins to talk about the spiritual battle that's taking place for the life that God has already provided for you in Christ. And he pins these words. He said, finally, I, I want you to know you've got to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on this, all this armor of God that you might be able to take your stand for our, our struggle, our battle, this hand-to-hand -hand combat, this, this war that's taking place in the unseen world is taking place in the spiritual supernatural realm. This war is over you becoming all that God wants you to be and living a life of fulfillment and of freedom and of purpose that he has already ordained that, and called you to live in. He's saying, but there is going to be a struggle for this life. And then he writes those words. And the Apostle Paul is talking about the battle that's taking place between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. Referring to the spiritual war, C.S. Lewis, you're getting a lot of C.S. Lewis today, right? As Missy shared about C.S. Lewis and the quote that she shared earlier. I want to share another one from him for you, uh, with you. He says, There is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second, is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. Therefore, there can be no neutral people. Every one of us must pick a side. No one gets to be a conscientious objector. Now, whether you know it, whether you don't want to believe it, whether you deny it or ignore it, there is an invisible reality that's affecting your visible world. I know it's not popular. I know it seems unintellectual in our current society. Maybe it seems mythical or impractical. Perhaps people might talk about this type of teaching as abstract or trivial because most of our society has replaced biblical cosmology and understanding of the world with human, humanistic philosophy, psychology, psychology, and anthropology. All of those things are well and good, but they first come underneath the authority of the reality 
of the invisible battle that's taking place in the spiritual realm. Every sin and all evil can be attributed not to societal or a clinical cause, but it can be attributed to a spiritual cause. There's an invisible adversary that exists and wages war to discourage, distract, and destroy your life. This war is taking place in homes as we see marriages, even in Christian homes, um, destroyed and pulled apart and broken and separated. There being unforgiveness, there being bitterness, there being separation, which the enemy is trying to bring division in the home. We also see this war being fought in our head as we are inundated with images and visuals and pictures and words that constantly fight in our minds, that war in our minds over whether we are going to submit to God and follow his leading and trust and believe in him and live for him or whether we are going to live according to the ways of our culture. And then this way, the Apostle Paul says, uh, don't be conformed, right? Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove that which is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, Romans chapter 12. We also find that this war is being fought, the spiritual battle is being fought in our homes, in our head, and also in our heart. As our affections, uh, the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants our affections. He wants our love. He wants uh, our life to, to, to come into the, in the desires of our heart to be aligned with the things that he wants for us. Brokenness that leads to brokenness, that leads to uh, being enslaved, the things that lead to hurt and to pain. But here's what I want to share with you, this truth from our text today. The struggle for our freedom is a continual confrontation for freedom, right? The struggle for freedom is a continual confrontation for freedom. And as I study scripture here today, there's a few things that I wanted to point out that we must do to stay free, to win this battle, to be able to be victorious and to be free and to live the life that God has called us to live. The first thing that I want us to be aware of is the scripture teaches us that Paul tells us here in this passage of scripture, in order to stay free, I want you to know your enemy. I want you to know your enemy. General Douglas MacArthur, one of our great military leaders of the United States, once wrote an article entitled Requisites for Military Success, in which he pointed out four principles, four things that were actually vital to military success. And do you know what the number one principle, the main thing that he said was vital for our victory and vital for our success in battle? It was that we have to know our enemy. He said this, MacArthur said this, the greater the knowledge of the enemy, the greater the potential for victory. But you can't first know your enemy if you won't acknowledge your enemy. And this is the dilemma that we struggle with. I talked about it already. The Barner Research Group conducted a poll in which they discovered even in the church, nearly two out of three American adults agreed that Satan is not a living being, but a symbol of evil. And even more alarming is that among evangelical Christians, 52% deny Satan's existence. 72% of Catholics say that the devil is non-existent. Now, there's a movie that I grew up and watching, and um, so don't judge me about this movie. If you know about this movie, uh, this movie's ta- uh, called the, uh, the Usual Suspects. 
And in that movie, there's a line from that movie that says, the greatest trick that the devil ever pulled was to convince the world that he did not exist. You cannot defeat an enemy that you will not acknowledge. And throughout the scripture, the scriptures teach that the enemy is real, the adversary, the one who opposes us is real. Jesus encounters the devil and demons personally, and he identifies the devil more than 26 times in the Gospels. Our enemy, is, by the Apostle Paul, is identified here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. I'll read it to you again. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So the unseen is not significant, but it has an incredible impact in our lives. So how do we win the spiritual fight through knowing the devil's schemes? Schemes. How many of you know that God has a plan, but the devil has a scheme? The devil has a scheme, and that scheme, that word meaning scheme, is like an underhanded, secretive plan that he wants to carry out in your life. And we can understand and know his schemes by identifying his nature. We can find out who he is and what he's like and what these schemes are when we look at his nature. Because the enemy cannot overpower us as followers of Jesus. Jesus said, behold, I give you all power over all the power of the enemy in Luke chapter 10, verse 19. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. However, the enemy, although he cannot overpower us, he can outwit us. He can outsmart us. And so the response uh, to his schemes is to have wisdom, to have insight, to have understanding into the way in which our enemy attacks us. And so we can find out what his schemes are by understanding his names. If we know his names, we know his nature. He's known as Satan. This word Satan means adversary. This name is descriptive of one who opposes God's agenda. You can find this name in, in, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. He opposes God's plan over your life. He stands in opposition or in, as an adversary to God's plan and purposes over your life. The, the name devil gives us an insight into his nature, and it means accuser. In other words, the devil would love to accuse you. He would love to slander you. He would love to destroy your character. He would love to be able to call your, the sincerity of your relationship with God into question, not just to others, but also to even your own self. He wants to condemn you and ruin your reputation. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. He says, our enemy, the devil, walks around as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The devil, the accuser, seeking to devour you, seeking to destroy you. He's come to slander you, accuse you, and condemn you. Now, Lucifer is another name for the enemy. This name means shining one, and it, we also understand it as being a deceiver. How many of you know that Jesus identified who Satan was and his tactics, and he says um, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah. Now, as, the, as, as uh, the shining one, as Lucifer, as the deceiver, he comes to you, all right, not with a pitchfork and not, you know, or, or he doesn't even come to you looking as if he's mean, looking as if he's wrong. No, he'll come to you subtly. He'll come to you and deceive you. He'll come to you and make you think that this way of living is better than living for God. He'll offer you something that's good 
instead of something that's better, something that's best. God's plan is best, but he wants to lead you into accepting his plan and deceiving you into living a life where you limit becoming all that God, who's, uh, God has called you to be. And so he deceives you. He dresses up his agenda, and he paints himself as beautiful and charming. He makes sin and compromise look appealing. He seduces you with it. But the end, the Scripture says, there's pleasure in sin for a season, but the end, therefore, is death, right? So the enemy wants to deceive us. And finally, I want to point out these last two definitions. The first one is Beelzebub. It's a funny word, but it's found in Matthew chapter 12, verse 24. You can look it up later. It means the Lord of the flies. And as the Lord of the flies, he's a distractor. How many of you guys were ever like grown up as kids and you were outside and a horse fly would come along and they would bite the mess out of you? Either you're going to do one of two things. Either you want to get out of there or you are going to be like I did, become a ninja, right? And try to knock that fly down, try to hit that fly. But in the meantime... As a, a, a distractor, right, you would end up destroying yourself. <laughs> you would end up hurting yourself. So the enemy can't destroy you, but he can distract you to try to get you to destroy your own life. So he's distracting you because he can't destroy you. And he can lead you down the path of destruction if he can only distract you. Sometimes with bad things, other times with what's good and not with what's best. And finally, this last name for the devil is Bilal. It's found in 2 Corinthians 6.15, and it means without a master. In other words, Bilal wants you to live your life without a master. To get you from out up under the authority of God, his word, and his ways, and his kingdom. Don't let He's saying this as Bilal. He's telling you. He's constantly talking to you. Don't let other people tell you what to do. The life of living for God is incredibly restrictive. You can't really live a good and full life going that way. As a result, he's a deceiver because he's telling you, live your life from out of the authority of a master. Don't let anyone tell you what to do. Here's the deal. Knowing your enemy prepares you to live and to remain in liberty. The second thing I want to point out to you is not only uh, to stay free are you to know your enemy, but the second thing that you need to do, you must do, it's essential for you to do, is to put on your weaponry. Know your enemy, put on your weaponry. The Apostle Paul says in verse 13, Therefore, knowing that you are fighting this fight and struggling uh, in, in, with the enemy and you're in this war, he's saying, put on the full armor of God. Put on, put on. You put it on. God's not going to put it on for you. You must put it on for yourself. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand. Um, in other words, as the saying goes, dress for success, right? Dress for success. And I know that we don't have all the same opinions and particular, you know, ways of, uh, of uh, putting outfits together. We don't have all have the same sense of style, but we can certainly agree that even though we don't agree on style of clothing, we can certainly agree on the necessity of clothing, right? Because y'all put it on today. Thank, G- thank you, Jesus. <laughs> 
The proper attire is required for success in any endeavor. Construction workers have to have boots. Lawyers have to have suits. Nurses have scrubs. Police officers need uniforms. Youth pastors need t-shirts and flip-flops. <laughs> Shout out to Pastor Sarah. We love her. <laughs> but you cannot withstand your enemy if you will not put on your weaponry. This weaponry, this armor of God that God has required us to put on, it's not a request, but it's a requirement. It's not a suggestion, it's a command, it's not optional, but it's mandatory. You have to participate in your own protection and freedom. Jesus wants you to be free. He wants you to be victorious. He wants you to live a life of fulfillment and freedom and purpose, but you have to be aware of knowing how your enemy attacks you, and then you have to put on the full armor of God for protection. I'm just going to go through these items of the armor of God. Uh, the first one that he instructs us to put on is the belt of truth. God's uh, truth is this, Tony Evans says, it's God's viewpoint on a matter, right? And the truth is not the same as the facts, all right? So the facts might tell you, your facts might inform your feeling. Right? So you might feel alone, but the, but the truth is this, that God has said he will never leave you nor forsake you. He will be with you all the days of your life. You see, the facts might tell you that you've got incurable disease, but the truth of God's word tells you that by his stripes you are healed. You see, the facts might tell you that you are afraid, you are anxious, but the truth tells you this, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. See, the facts might tell you you're weak, that you're inadequate, that you cannot do it. Here's what the truth said. You are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You see, the facts might tell you that there is no way out of this, but the truth tells you this, that God gave Moses a word of God and he split the Red Sea and the people walked out on dry ground. The, the truth of God's word says that he meets all of your needs according to your, his riches in glory. See what I'm saying? The facts are the facts, but there's something greater than the facts and the truth is greater than the facts. The truth is God's perspective over your life and over the facts of your life. Can I throw this out there? The facts say that you've been wrestling with this habit, with this hang-up, with this situation, with this relationships that has held you back, that has kept you from freedom, that has kept you bound, that has kept you living a life and perpetual going around the same thing, doing the same thing, and you feel struck, uh, stuck. But here's the truth of God's word. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. Live in undeniable freedom today because God has already provided it for you. That is the truth of God's word the belt of truth. So we have to put on truth. The second thing that we have to put on is the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate would protect a soldier's internal organs. It would protect their heart. There's two things that we could point out about the breastplate of righteousness. And it, there's two aspects of righteousness, the being side and the doing side. The being side is your position in righteousness. The doing side is your condition of righteousness, right? Your position in righteousness is this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He made him who knew no sin to become sin for you that you might be made the righteousness of Christ in him. 
It's not your righteousness, it's his righteousness. It's not your being able to stand before God in the merit of your own strength and your own doings, but it's being able to stand before God free and forgiven based upon what he has done for you. See, this is your position. Your position is that you are righteous in Christ, but your condition is that you're still struggling. This is your practice of righteousness. You're still going through this world. You're living in this world. You're becoming who God has wanted, who God wants you to be. And that's why you've got to put on the breastplate of righteousness. The third thing is the shoes of peace. Even a most highly trained uh, soldier understood that without shoes, without the shoes that you wear in, in a battle, you cannot make progress. Shoes are very important in battle, and those shoes are represented by the peace of God. Put on the shoes of peace. You see, the enemy will attack your peace. There's a fight over your peace. He's coming against your peace because if he can keep you and take your peace, if he can steal your peace, he can steal your progress, and you'll no longer want to fight. The enemy will attack your peace because if he can rob you of your peace, you'll stop making progress. Protect your peace. The scripture says, may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your heart and your mind in Christ. We have the peace of God. And we have peace with God. The peace of God guards our heart and minds in Christ. So we're not to be anxious for anything, right? We're not to be worried. We're not to be fearful. But we're to put on the peace of God, which passes understanding. That is our peace, the peace of God. The only reason why we can have the peace of God, though, is because we have peace with God. The peace with God. God has reconciled us to him. We are no longer estranged from God. We are no longer at war. We are no longer distant with God, but we have peace with God. And so we have the peace of God. The helmet of salvation. In ancient warfare, the head was the most vulnerable part of the body. And as such, the helmet of salvation protects our minds. The enemy is a master at playing mind games. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, Paul says this, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. That word pretension is lies. And then he says, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We have to have a salvation mindset. We have to put on salvation that protects our thought life and the final two, or the shield of faith. The, field of, the shield of faith is the weapon that protects us from Satan's fiery darts. And there are some assaults in life that you cannot survive without faith, without trust that God is bringing me through, that God is going to, God is going to fulfill his promise over my life. We need the shield of faith. And we cannot take up our shield of faith alone merely, but we need to take up our shield of faith together. These shields, that it were, the Roman soldiers had shields, they could interlock together. In other words, you can't be protected all by yourself. You need people surrounding you that will come alongside of you, that will join up with you, that will protect you, that will watch your back, that will watch your side, that will fight for you and lift up the shield of faith with you to protect you from your enemy. It's the shield of faith. And then finally, I want to talk about the last two weapons. They are offensive weapons. The word of God it says, take up, the apostle Paul says, take up or put on the word of God, right? The word of God is actually an offensive weapon. All of these other weapons, the armor are defensive weapons, but the word of God is an offensive, they're defensive weapons, the word of God is an offensive weapon. And here's what this word is. Take up the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit, right? 
And I was always taught coming up um, that the Word of God, the written Word of God, and take the written Word of God. But actually what the Apostle Paul is specifically saying in this passage is he is saying, take up the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit. That word right there, it can be translated in the Greek as logos, which is the written word. But in this passage, the Apostle Paul says, take up the rhema word of God, which is a spoken, declared now word for your situation. Whatever attack that you're under, whatever is fighting against you, whatever trouble you find yourself in, whatever the diagnosis, whatever the feeling that is coming against you, whatever the the attack that is coming against you, you have to take up the spoken word of God. Come into alignment, come into agreement with what God's written word says and begin to declare that over your life and in your situation. The fight for your family, declare the word of God over your family. We uh, de- Declare the word of God over your health. I will live and not die and declare the word of the Lord. Declare the word of God, Psalm 103. Blessed be the Lord, my Savior, who who forgives me of all my sins and heals me of all diseases. Take up the word of God. God has not given us a, a, a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You've got to declare the word of God over all the attack of the enemy if you want to be victorious in the fight of faith against your enemy. Take up the word of God, the sword of the spirit. It's an offensive weapon. It's like a two edged sword. And it's powerful for your victory, to lead you into victory. Finally, I want to tell you about the weapon of prayer, the secret weapon, some would say, because a lot of people, they stop there with the word of God, but they don't include the power of prayer, the weapon of prayer that God has given to us to be able to use. This is authoritative prayer as found as our position in Christ, as commissioned by him to rule and to reign and to implement his kingdom on earth with the authority and power of the name of Jesus and through the person of the Holy Spirit. Listen. There is power in prayer. God answers prayer. There is great authority and great power in prayer. And it reminded me of a story that I heard a while back. There was this young boy. He was about four or five years uh, old, and he uh, went grocery shopping with his mom, and he loved chocolate chip cookies. And so every time he would go to the grocery store, he'd want a chocolate chip cookie. This particular day, his mom had already given him a snack before they got there. And she said, son, when we go into this grocery store today, don't be asking me for a cookie because you're not getting a cookie because you've already had a sweet. So they went into the grocery store, put them in the shopping cart. What do you know? First aisle, they go down. They go down the cookie aisle. Mom, can I have a chocolate chip cookie? Son, I told you, no chocolate chip cookies. They're shopping, doing their shopping a little bit more. Got to come circle back around to that aisle because she had forgotten something. They go down the aisle. Mom, can I have a chocolate chip cookie? She said, I told you, son, you've already had a sweet today. You cannot have a chocolate chip cookie. So they go to the checkout line. They're in the checkout line. And this young boy being raised in the church stands up in the shopping cart. And he says... In the name of Jesus, can I get a chocolate chip cookie? It was a bunch of people at the checkout line. That little boy ended up leaving with 23 boxes of chocolate chip cookies. See, when you pray in the name of Jesus, you're praying powerful, authoritative prayers. And God answers the prayers, the powerful prayers that are prevailing in the name of Jesus. So put on your weaponry, 
As you put on your weaponry, it keeps you in liberty. And finally, I'm going to close with this last point as the team comes. I want you to know your enemy, put on your weaponry, and finally, I want you to utilize. The Apostle Paul is wanting you, he's asking you to utilize your authority in order to stay free, living this life of undeniable freedom. Utilize your authority. Verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after having done everything to stand, stand. Use the authority as given to you in Christ and by Christ. You have to fight from a place of authority. Romans chapter 16 says, the enemy has been placed under our feet. In other words, we have authority over all the power of the enemy. The enemy is under our feet and God's strength enables and his authority enables us to overcome not based upon our own strength and our own authority, but upon God's strength and God's authority. It's not in our willpower, but it's in God's power that we have authority as our position that we have as sons and daughters of God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. God raised us up with Christ. He has seated us with him in the heavenly places because we belong to Christ. And our authority is directly connected to our identity. So we have a position of authority that we need to utilize as the people of God in Christ and by Christ. We don't have to just take it, but we can dish it out. And we can take authority over all the power of the enemy by putting on the full armor of God, knowing how the enemy attacks us, and by actually utilizing the weapons of our warfare for victory. And the victory, we are not only in a position to use authority, but we have a prevail. We have a position that we are already victorious. The battle has already been won. We simply need to claim it. We seem, simply need to take authority for it, responsibility for it. We claim it. The only way for us as a believer to lose in spiritual warfare is to not fight. And so I want to close with this story that illustrates this point. In World War II, Hitler and the Nazis, Hitler was actually an artist and he wanted to, as he was conquering the countries of that day, he would go there and he would take a lot of their artwork and their sculptures and uh, their monuments um, because he wanted to take those relics and he wanted to put them eventually in a museum that he would create and it would be uh, like a wonder of the world. Well, the German forces plundered thousands of paintings, sculptures, artifacts, and relics. And had it not been for a group of the Allied forces called the Monuments Men, then the Western culture might have been completely removed from history. These Allied soldiers called the Monuments Men were made up of 350 men and women. They were uh, historians. They were uh, curators. They were people who were involved in art they were professors and they were called to take these possessions to find these possessions and return them they were on a salvation or a salvation mission to bring these artifacts back uh, to western culture and in the early stages of their expedition of this salvation uh, salvage expedition uh, they weren't really respected by the other soldiers of that day 
And I heard this story in particular about a lieutenant named James Romier. And um, he was at this city in which a building had been set on fire, this monument at this palace, and its four walls had been knocked down. The monument was barely standing. It was only one wall left. The, most of the walls had been uh, torn down. But it was much more, this monument was much more, this specific, this place, it was much more than a pile of rubble, and it was worth fighting for. As Romier heard the, the sounds of the approaching tanks of the bulldozers coming, um, he positioned himself between the bulldozer and the monument that was getting ready to be destroyed because he knew it was worth fighting for. He jumped up between that bulldozer and between that monument and he took authority and he said, stop. He said, you cannot come any further. And that officer that was in charge came over to him and he says, you have no authority to be able to tell us to stop and not come forward and to be able to destroy this building. And then Romier reminded this man, this officer of President Eisenhower's proclamation on monuments and war. He said, I've got pictures. I've got the proclamation. He said, you must stop now where you are and turn around. The officer in charge, he relented from moving forward. And the chateau or that place, that monument was saved. And I want you, us, to see ourselves in light of that story, in light of the authority that's been given to us, in order of the fight that is at hand and the things that are coming against our family, that are coming against our calling, the fight that is waged against our future. I want us to look at ourselves as monument men and women. We have something precious. We have something that is of great value and of worth to fight for. You and I, we have to fight for our families. We have to fight for our future. We have to fight for our lives. We have to fight for our church. We have to fight for our community. We have to be willing to step out in faith and declare that this is a fight worth fighting for. And I'm not just going to sit back and be defeated, but I'm going to take authority as given to me by Christ and for Christ to fight the fight of faith and to overcome the enemy that is coming against me and my family and my future. So utilizing your authority enforces your liberty. I want us all as we close, to bow your heads and close your eyes in this moment. Because the truth is that you have no power and no authority. You have no victory over the enemy apart from your identity as being a follower in Jesus Christ, right? And so this is why we could talk about the peace with God through Jesus Christ. And right now, there's a war going on in your heart and your life and in your head and in your home that maybe for the first time in a long time, maybe it's not just now just something that's trivial or impractical, but you're seeing the importance and the reality of what's taking place around you. And you want to now, as a result of that, knowing that, you want to stand and you want to fight. You want to put on the armor of God and you want to take up your authority, your position as a follower of Jesus. The first step in that decision 
is to be made right with God, is to have your sins forgiven, to come into relationship with Jesus. See, because without Jesus, your life is restless. Your life is searching. Your life is, have, has something missing. There's something that's broken that you cannot fix in your own ability, in your own strength, in your own ingenuity, in your own intelligence. That, that reconciliation, that restoration, that putting the pieces, the broken pieces together in your life, making things make sense, can only be done through a relationship with Jesus Christ, where Jesus comes into your heart, forgives you of all your sins, and gives you a new beginning becomes the leader of your life. And so today, perhaps there are those here in person, or maybe those watching online, and you need to take that first step into freedom, which is finding forgiveness in the person of Jesus Christ, the one who has come to set you free. So today, in this moment right now, God is speaking to your heart. If you do not have relationship with Christ, the offer is extended to you freely today. Open up your heart and your life. Allow Jesus to come in. Confess your sins to him and he'll forgive you of all your sins. He'll cleanse you. He'll give you a new beginning and a new start. Make him the Lord of your life. Make him the savior of your life, the Lord of your life. He'll give you eternal life and he'll give you life here more abundantly. And for those others of us that have maybe made that decision before, but we've kind of been going through the motions. We've not um, been fighting the good fight of faith, but we've kind of just grown complacent in the reality of what's transpiring around us. May this be the day that is a wake-up call for you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Our vision is that you would experience Victory Church as a place to call home. We do this by encountering God through worship, embracing community through relationship, and expanding the kingdom of God through service. Find out more about Victory at victorywinchester.com.